0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, March 7th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report, a record that no one's excited about. The average price of gas in California tops $5 a gallon for the first time in history and heated debate over California State Park's possible renaming of a controversial Folsom Lake State Recreation Area. Then in national native news, a look at two opposing mask mandate decisions from the Navajo Nation and St. Regis Mohawk Tribe. We'll take a look at local news and weather before Felton Pruitt speaks to David West, the Nevada County Veterans Service Officer.
1: This is the California report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Because of the war in Ukraine and volatility in global energy markets, for the first time in state history, the average price of gas has topped $5 a gallon, and that's causing gas pump sticker shock at filling stations across the state. Here in Southern California, motorist Melvin Funes talked to me as he filled up his truck in South LA. 16 gallons. 16 gallons. 92.95. 92.95. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But And say a year ago, six months ago, this would have been what? Oh, I mean, 70 bucks. Yeah, but come on, that's damn near this, 100 bucks. So clearly yeah, higher. You feel it with it. each.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're feeling it. We're feeling it. But eh,
1: what can we do? We live in California. It's like we pay for the weather. Now we're paying for the gas. Like other drivers I talked to, Funes said he would try to save money by cutting back on some unnecessary driving. Others talked about high gas prices, encouraging them to buy electric vehicles. And in the face of higher pump prices, Republican state lawmakers are calling for a six-month suspension of California's state gas tax, which now totals 51 cents a gallon. But Democrats say that tax is essential in paying for transportation infrastructure improvements, and suspending it would cost the state half a billion dollars in revenue. The union representing teachers in the Oakland Unified School District is increasing the pressure on OUSD over its plans to close several schools in the city. KQED's Annalise Finney says the plan has drawn plenty of complaints which could be heard at a rally over the weekend.
0: Hundreds of teachers and families marched down International Boulevard in East Oakland on Saturday, bouncing to Missy Elliott and demanding that Oakland Unified reverse its plan to shut down seven schools and merge two others. The district's plan has drawn outrage from educators, families and community members across the city. And officials with the teachers union say the plan violates an agreement between the district and the union made after the 2019 teachers strike. Keith Brown, president of the Oakland Education Association, was at the rally
2: there has to be at least one year of engagement with the community before any school closure can happen. And what the majority board of, the, of OUSD has done is illegal. It's a violation of that agreement. The Public Employees Relations
0: Board filed a complaint with the district after reviewing the union's allegations. Brown says he hopes the complaint will help the union bring the district's closure plan before a judge this spring. For the California Report, I'm Annalise Finney.
2: Support for the California
0: Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: California State Parks is considering a new name for part of Folsom Lake State Recreation Area, east of Sacramento. Some residents say the current name, Negro Bar, has caused harm for decades. Cap Radio's race and equity reporter Sarah Mises Tan explains.
3: The name has been a flashpoint for years as it includes a word that refers to African Americans that can be seen as outdated at best and deeply offensive at worst. Now, California State Parks has undertaken an initiative to re-examine the history of some of its properties through a more diverse lens. Here's Alexandra Stell of State Parks.
0: Well, we're building on the efforts to support equity inclusion, and this area has been requested in the past. State Parks has, you know, agreed that it is a priority to rename this area.
3: I took a trip to this spot, which sits along a bend in the American River. It's a picturesque place, popular with kayakers and paddleboarders. Park ranger Brian Hadnagy says this is one of the first places African Americans mined for gold.
1: The reason why it was called Negro Bar is because uh, the black people came here to do prospecting and all that. So this was their side.
3: He gestures to empty signposts.
1: We're still waiting to go put plaques on all of these brand new stationary areas for historical purposes, for information.
3: But there's been disagreement about the area's name. The debate has even been within the NACP when it comes to the name change or removing the word Negro. That's Betty Williams, president of the Sacramento chapter of the NAACP. She says the word used in the area's name hasn't always been a slur. During that time. The word Negro was considered a professional and a word that described professional, hardworking African-American individuals, African-American blacks. A strong advocate for keeping the current name is Michael Harris. He's a Black local historian who doesn't see the need for change.
4: Given the contextual nature of the time frame in question, 1840 to 1875, the notion of
1: focusing on the name is intentionally disrespectful, it
4: presupposes disparaging treatment, and it certainly negates any of the contributions of the people of African descent in the Gold Rush era.
3: He says he's concerned about the watering down of history to make some people feel more comfortable.
4: If we're gonna say the N-word and put a 21st century context to it, it is disrespectful. Nobody's gonna be called Negro today, but historically, that's what we were.
3: But Jen Johnson, who's a longtime Folsom resident, disagrees. As a Black woman, she says she feels uncomfortable with the park's current name. She's avoided going there because of what it's called.
0: I'm not going to a place called Negro Bar, where every other person is in white skin, using that term.
3: According to the most recent census data, the town of Folsom is just 3% African American. Johnson says as a result, keeping the current name without much context or history is problematic.
2: And if people like me are saying and screaming from the hilltop, this word has been used in this community to hurt me, please stop using it. Again, the least we could do is bend to that and help them feel more welcomed. And hopefully I can go to that park someday without feeling absolutely sick to my stomach about that name. The
3: State Parks Commission will be voting on a potential name change this summer. Some alternatives include Black Miners Bar, Black Freedom Bar or Historic Negro Bar. The commission hopes an upcoming educational campaign will elevate black miners' contributions to the area's history and make it a place that's welcoming for black visitors in the future. For The California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in
2: Folsom.
1: And that is The California Report for Monday, March 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a good day.
0: As mask mandates begin to lift in most places, National Native News takes a look at two very different routes. Up ahead, the reasoning behind masking decisions made by the Navajo Nation and St. Regis Mohawk Tribe. Then, history taught in California's public schools has long been criticized for lacking curriculum accurately documenting the American Indian experience. California state lawmakers recently held a hearing focusing on furthering public understanding of challenges facing Native American students.
2: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Navajo Nation is keeping its mask mandate in place as restrictions have been lifted in neighboring communities of the reservation. The tribe's mandate remains in effect in all public places within the Navajo Nation. The mask mandate has been in place for nearly two years. Healthcare officials and tribal leaders say they're not letting their guard down in the fight against COVID-19 as states, including New Mexico, have lifted their face-covering mandate. Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez is urging residents on the reservation to continue to take precautions.
5: Even though we've heard jurisdictions around us and, you know, even the CDC saying, you don't have to wear a mask, and then later on they say, "Well, put the mask back on." On a Navajo Nation, we never wavered. We continue to uh, keep our mask mandate in place. Uh, we want to, you know, keep our citizens um, safe throughout this pandemic. It's about uh, protecting our families, or protecting our community, and protecting our uh, Navajo Nation. You know, it's not about you know, restricting anybody's freedom by forcing people to wear masks. I mean, we, we just went through a tough surge uh, last year and many surges uh, since then. And we feel like these protocols have kept us safe.
2: Nez is asking Navajo citizens to wear masks when traveling off the reservation. The tribe has been distributing masks across Navajo land during basketball games and other events. Meanwhile, the St. Regis Mohawk tribe in New York revoked its indoor mask mandate on Friday, The tribe's emergency operations center announced the changes to its mask requirement in response to high vaccination rates and a drop in COVID-19 cases. The tribe's decision follows the state's move last month to lift its mask mandate in public places. Officials say they're still encouraging the wearing of masks, but it's now an individual's choice. The tribe's medical director, Dr. Benson Kelly, says they're not out of the woods yet. There are still cases in the community, but it now comes down to personal choice. And Kelly encourages people People to respect and support those who want to continue to wear masks. According to the tribe, hospitalizations have reduced and the tribe's vaccination rate is at 71.4 percent of local residents. Some requirements will remain in place for health care group homes and other operations due to tribal and federal regulations. California state lawmakers recently focused on how past experiences of Native Americans have shaped their attitudes toward education. The Assembly Select Committee on Native American Affairs held a hearing on the topic last week. Assembly member James Ramos chairs the select committee. He says these types of discussions will further public understanding of challenges facing Native American students.
5: The general public has no idea that these types of atrocities, these types of strip of assimilation and culture even took place here in the state of california so the ignorance um, contributes to a lot of the hurdles that we still see going on in the state of california and in the in the school systems in many areas so this will shed a light to talk about those issues so that we can truly move forward and correct um, the past histories inflicted upon our people and i say our people because we sit here as the chair of the Assembly Native American Select Committee, and the only California Indian uh, elected in the state legislature. And this is also, um, those that are watching and those in the audience, a time for other California Indian people, Native American people, to run for office, to be able to be in these seats.
2: The hearing included discussions on boarding schools, the renaming of places and institutions to represent Native Americans, and the need for a California tribal college. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: National Native News is produced by Kiwanaka Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous population. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org assessme.
5: Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Nevada County Public Health reports 26 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Four people are hospitalized. The Tahoe National Forest began a 41-acre pile burning project today in the Madrone Springs area east of Nevada City off Conservation Road. This area is part of the Western Nevada County Community Defense Project. The prescribed burn will continue through tomorrow. According to an interactive state map on the Sacramento Bee's website, Nevada County currently has California's 10th highest gasoline price. The data, collected by the American Automobile Association, shows Nevada County's average gallon of gas at $5.44. That's over 30 cents higher a gallon than neighboring Yuba and Sierra counties and nearly 20 cents higher than Sacramento County. The state's average price at the pump is $5.28 per gallon. Sanctions by Western nations against Russia because of its action in Ukraine are expected to only drive up the price of oil. Quote, "...California could stay near or above $5 a gallon for a few months. It could get worse than that if Russia further inflames the situation." End quote. Says Patrick DeHane, head of petroleum analysis at GasBuddy. Mono County residents see gas prices pushing $6 a gallon. At $5.92 a gallon, they're currently California's priciest county in terms of petroleum. Sacramento area schools are front-page news once again for a string of racist incidents. Last month, racial expletives, a swastika, and other hate-filled messages were found plastered on the walls of Abraham Lincoln Elementary School. Sacramento County sheriffs announced today they have identified two high school students from a nearby high school responsible for the graffiti. The vandalism at Abraham Lincoln closely followed an incident at C.K. McClatchy High School, in which a student scrawled the words colored and white over a water fountain. Saturday, March 4th, video was recorded of, quote, blatantly racist heckling at an El Dorado Hills school during a girls' soccer final. During the Division I Northern California's girls' soccer game between Oak Ridge High School and Buchanan High School, taunts against the visiting team came from the Oak Ridge student section. Black students and staff members of Sacramento area schools have also been harassed on campuses, from a Sacramento City Unified teacher using racial slurs, to anti-Black rhetoric graffitied on walls of West Campus High School directed at the school's Black vice principal. In January, a family in Folsom withdrew their daughter from Folsom High School after the school failed to address months of racist harassment. Students were pulling 15-year-old Anaya Pierce braids, calling her slurs and bullying her on social media. Many point out this is nothing new for the district. Barry Achias, founder of Voice of the Youth and nonprofit organization, addressed these incidents. Quote, folks that believe that we're searching for or creating racial issues because of what happened at McClatchy, this is not us creating anything. We are here trying to support students, support faculty and create change. That's all we're trying to do, end quote. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. The National Weather Service forecasts dry weather with milder temperatures early this week. Another weather system will brush by to the east later Wednesday, bringing a few showers to the northern Sierra. Expect winds to return Thursday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 38. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 62. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 18. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 46. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 39, gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 72, light and variable wind in the morning. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next up, Felton Pruitt speaks to Nevada County Veteran Service Officer David West.
4: We're talking with David West. He's the Nevada County Veteran Services Officer. And David, there's another veterans survey coming out, the second annual one that you've done. Let's talk about that. Well, thank you very much.
5: We have released our second annual Nevada County All Veterans Survey. We're trying to get input from every veteran in Nevada County on how we can make improvements to our office.
4: Is that pretty much the purpose of the survey, then, to see what needs there are and then how you can fulfill them?
5: Yeah. So uh, last year we did our first annual survey, and it was developed out of the need of trying to figure out how exactly we could help the community during the pandemic and strengthen our services. And the information that we got was so impactful that it really led to how how we diversify our services and try to reach as many veterans as possible over the past year.
4: What kind of stuff did you get last year that helped out? Well, one thing we learned is that the community wanted us to be doing more outreach
5: and they wanted the, the ability to, uh, to receive services from home if possible. Not everybody is able to come into our office, especially our younger veterans who are family and working. Not everybody can take the time to come into the, to the VSO office. So the results from the survey, it allowed us to bring some new tools to the forefront. We now allow our community to schedule online appointments through our website at mynevadacounty.com, Veteran Services. Um, You can schedule your own appointment online. You can apply for certain DMV benefits. Dependent children of veterans who are service-connected can apply for their college fee waiver online. We really tried to expand that service. We developed a virtual VSO. And the most impactful thing that came out was, did the community really let us know that they wanted us to try and focus on solving the homeless veteran problem that we had in Nevada County? And, When we got those results, it allowed us to announce that we were focused on reducing veterans' homelessness in Nevada County to functional zero.
4: Do you have a number right now of how many veterans are homeless here in our county?
5: Yes, I do. As of right now, when we first made our announcement last June that we were focused on that, on reducing the count of our homeless veterans, we were at 29, which was a significant milestone. And I can tell you right now, as of this date and time, we're sitting at 17
4: So hopefully by the next time we talk or or in the next six months or so, we can bring that number down to zero, which I'm sure is the number we're all looking for.
5: Yes, sir. Um, When we get some more housing projects that are going to be completed by then, we are guaranteed to have at least 10 to 11 of those veterans in housing by the end of June uh, 2022.
4: We're talking about the Veterans Survey. How do folks get the survey and fill it out?
5: We're going to be released. It's going to be going out in the CEO's newsletter. You can access it through, you you can either call my office, we can mail it to you, you can pick it up in our office, or uh, you can find it online on our website. And what's the website? The website is mynevadacounty.com, Veterans Services.
4: And you said there was a phone number to call too, what's that?
5: Uh, The phone number to our office is 530-265-1446, that's the direct line to my desk, give me a call and I'll make sure we, we mail it out to you.
4: We're talking about the all-veterans survey. What's the uh, deadline when all this information needs to be gathered? It closes on March 11th. We've got a little bit of time, so we just want to get the word out to all the veterans out there to uh, fill out the survey so that you guys can uh, better serve them, I guess, is the whole purpose.
5: Yes, and we're going to make sure that that another letter goes out in tomorrow's CEO's newsletter so people will be able to access it from there as well.
4: We're talking with David West. He's Nevada County's Veteran Services Officer. What else would you like veterans in our area to know about your office and the services you provide?
5: Well, over the past year, we've really changed the way we provide services. We used to have every Thursday was dedicated to walk-in Thursdays, and we decided that that wasn't sufficient enough based on some of the feedback we got last year through the survey as well. And we now have every day's walk-in day. We have a staff member dedicated every day to handling our walk-ins.
4: Tell people where the office is.
5: Our office is located at 988 McCourtney Road in Grass Valley, California, near the fairgrounds in the Brighton Greens facility. And I encourage everybody to come in. We've really made it a very special place for veterans to hang out. When I first started in 2018, it wasn't very welcoming for veterans. It's kind of cold. Now when you come in, you know that this is the place where you're supposed to be. We offer food, refreshments. We even got ESPN all day. Got some reading materials. We also established a training program that I'm really excited about. Every Monday morning at nine o'clock, our staff is being trained on something veterans benefits related by a subject matter expert from an outside agency. And the thing that is unique is that we are the only county in the state of California that has a dedicated training plan. I implemented this training plan because we got, we had complete staff turnover during the pandemic and I needed to, we needed to flatten that learning curve. And the best way to do that is through training. So, We've got a really good staff. We're here. We're constantly trying to get better. We're constantly trying to get feedback on how we can get better and listening to the community. And because this is the community's veteran services office, I'm just a steward of the office. It's up to the community on how they want us to provide benefits, and this is how they can provide some feedback on that.
4: And we've been talking with David West. He's Nevada County's veteran services officer. We've got the second annual All Veterans survey coming out. Once again, give them the website in case they want to get a copy of the survey.
5: Yes, you can access the survey through mynevadacounty.com at Veterans Services.
4: Thanks so much for all the information, David.
5: All right. Well, thank you very much, sir.
0: That's our newscast for this Monday, March 7th. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from the Union newspaper's Golden Stories of Our Past film series, celebrating Nevada County residents who were instrumental in gaining women's right to vote with the film Women's Suffrage, showing Wednesday, March 16th, 10 a.m. at Sutton Cinema's Grass Valley information theunion.com slash golden stories keep it tuned to your community radio station at six thirty, we have disability Wrap with co-hosts carl sigman and carly pacheco as mask mandates and other covid19 precautions are being relaxed across the country we look at a group of people who are being left behind as the country races to return to pre-pandemic normal Pulitzer prize-winning journalist ed yong stops by and shares his thoughts Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.